0: sharing insights on leadership, professional growth, and personal effectiveness from world-renowned thought leaders, best-selling authors, and respected experts. This is Great Life, Great Career, brought to you by Franklin Covey. Now your host, Scott Miller. Welcome, everybody. Great life, great career. We've had a great year with some phenomenal interviews. Gene Chasky, the editor of the today show Stephen M. R. covey the author of the book the speed of trust jillian michaels the famous goal achievement fitness expert man liz wiseman author of multipliers chris mcchesney author of the four disciplines we've had some amazing marriage therapists and uh psychiatrists on and people about how to build pre-ritual performance techniques it's been an amazing year i've been honored to be your your host and in one case your guest. When I interviewed uh, for my own book, Management Messed, Leadership Success, our guest, our host was Todd Davis. He was, of course, the chief is still last time I checked, the chief people officer of the Franklin Covey Company. It's been a fantastic year. I hope you've enjoyed it, taken away some great tips. I've loved the post on social media, the emails, the texts. People listening to it on your car radios and um, all your podcast channels. Thanks for joining us. It has been for me an amazing year. To have you all call in and recommend potential guests and email us with some of your favorite um, interviews. I've appreciated all of your loyalty as well. My name is Scott Miller. I'm the host of Great Life, Great Career here on KNRS 1059. And today, our guest is going to be one of the top female PR professionals in the US. In fact, she was ranked this year as one of the leading 100 female PR professionals. Her name is Deborah Lund. She has been the publicist for our co-founder, Dr. Stephen R. Covey, and is now the PR director for all of our public relations worldwide for Franklin Covey. I invited Deborah on because, man, has she seen the world turn, right? She's seen, you know, how you met live with TV and radio producers, television producers. She's been in newsrooms, trained to be a journalist. She's seen this world of public relations evolve phenomenally to where it's hard to find someone working at a print newspaper who will even write about an article, who will shape you know people's perceptions positively of your new product launch or a merger, acquisition, divestiture, any news you have. It's hard to get people's attention with the advent of social media. So Deb's going to join us today and talk a lot about some of the lessons that she's learned on individuals and organizations. How do you manage your brand? How do you stay above the curve? How do you manage crisis communications? You know, how do you make sure that you get your message out without spinning, or manipulating, or lying, or posturing, or positioning? You know, how do you live the content that we teach at Franklin Covey, and still make sure that the world understands what our point of view is? Because every company has detractors, including us. There are some people out there that don't think what we think, and that's fine. We respect them. We don't want to be maligned by them. We don't want to be, um, you know, have our brand tarnished by things that aren't true. And so our goal is always just get the facts out, right? Play your card straight up. And Deborah Lund is an expert at doing that. As I've mentioned in previous weeks, I'm the author of two books on behalf of Franklin Covey. The first book is Management Mess to Leadership Success. Launched back in June, just topped. 20,000 copies sold. It is a number one new release on Amazon. Thank you to all those in the Franklin Covey team who believed in me, from Bob Whitman to Deborah Lund to Drew Young to Travis to Jen, all those people that believed in me from the beginning. I so appreciate your support. The audiobook launched last week, and the book continues to do extremely well. Gave four keynotes last week. It was over at PayPal. Mr. Cooper Insurance in Texas gave a couple keynotes here this week. I'm here tomorrow or this week in the Salt Lake Chamber. And so I'm very honored. If you have any interest in learning more about my own journey as a leader, which has been rocky, let me know, right? Let me tell you, two steps forward, one steps back. Visit managementmess.com. You can learn about how to book me as a guest on your podcast, on your radio program, or give a keynote in your organization. I've also mentioned the last few weeks I'm privileged to be the co-author of a new book coming out on October 8th, published by Simon & Schuster for the Franklin Covey Company. I'm joining our chief people officer, Todd Davis, and our colleague and leadership expert, Victoria Rusolson as one of three authors on the book, Everyone Deserves a Great Manager, The Six Critical Practices for Leading a Team. This new book, Everyone Deserves a Great Manager, is aimed squarely at anybody in a management leadership role. You might say aimed primarily at those who are kind of just starting out, or perhaps you're a seasoned individual producer and you've just been promoted into a new leadership role. These six critical practices will dramatically improve and impact the ability you have as a leader to build a winning team to build your brand, to build your legacy as a trustworthy leader who's focused on helping other people succeed. The book is on sale now for pre-order on all your favorite websites, including Amazon, and is available in stores on October 8th all across the USA. When we come back, we'll be talking with Deborah Lund, one of the top female PR professionals in the nation. You're listening to Great Life, Great Career. I'm your host, Scott Miller. We'll be right back with Deborah Lund.
1: Did you know Franklin Covey offers complimentary webcasts of its most popular and impactful performance improvement solutions? These live 60 minute webcasts are hosted by a Franklin Covey subject matter expert and demonstrate the concepts, tools, and resources available to you or your organization through Franklin Covey's renowned performance improvement solutions. Visit franklincovey.com today to see a full list of their complimentary webcasts and register for these interactive and informative webcasts.
0: Everybody, welcome back. Our guest today is the fairly famous PR professional, Deb Lund, a bit of a celebrity here in Utah, has worked for really close to 30 years in the public relations arena here in Utah and around the world. Just this past year was named by the most respected PR association in the industry as one of America's top 100 PR professionals. They honored uh, 100 females from around the nation. Some of the you know, biggest Fortune 50 companies. These are like blue chip companies. Deborah Lund was nominated by her peers and her community and won one of those 100 most coveted spots to be vetted and honored up in New York City. Deborah Lund, welcome to Great Life, Great Career.
2: Thanks, Scott. I'm pleased to be here with you. You
0: know, Deb, you do have a bit of celebrity. I mean, you you hobnob with, uh, I want to say rich and famous, but certainly famous, right? Because you have spent the better part of your entire career working with best-selling authors, publicists, experts, television personalities, radio hosts. I mean, you've met a lot of people. In your 30 years in the industry, who's the most fascinating celebrity you've met?
2: I'd have to say Larry King.
0: Larry King.
2: And I, the reason that I would have all of the people over history that he's interviewed, yeah, it, it, it's amazing when, when you consider the list and he's, he's still going, he still has his right. sort of his inf, infomercial, if you
0: will. I'm a big fan of Larry King. I mean, I think Larry King, some people would have called him kind of puffball journalism, but I think it was his soft non-gotcha approach. That got everyone to come on, whether you were an accused murderer or you'd lost the presidential election or you'd won or you were, you know, the queen of Jordan. I mean, it didn't matter who you were. He invited you to come on and just tell your story. And the audience could decide whether they believed you or not or liked you or not. But he didn't. He didn't try to shape the point of view. He just created a safe environment for anyone to come on and just tell their Story It seems to be missing today in the media, does it not?
2: It's changed so much over the years, especially the last five years, and uh, I think the media has become. Not only is it investigative, I mean, you know, but social media has changed everything with the media.
0: And it, so, yeah. it also seems that I, I don't know if it's if it's the media's fault or not. But the polarization, right? I mean, everyone's got an opinion of Fox News. Everyone has an opinion of the New York Times, right? And everyone has an opinion now of CNN. It seems like all these news media outlets have kind of had to stake their claim on their constituency, not so dissimilar to political candidates. And now you're kind of like, you know, it's do I believe them or do I not believe them? Because they're kind of playing to their audience. And I think they have some responsibility in that.
2: They do. And I think, I mean, more than anything else, it's about viewership, just as in, you know, for an organization or an individual, it's for followers on Facebook or Twitter or, but it's, it's really about that audience. And so they'll do anything, you know,
0: pretty much, pretty much to
2: get that audience to tune in.
0: So Deb, let's take a bit of a, a journey on the role that public relations plays in organizations, right? I mean, nearly every organization that has some market share, whether they're public or private whether they're not for profit, whether they're a government institution, they have someone like you at their helm that is managing their public relations and to kind of kind of divide and conquer, you know, PR is different than marketing and advertising, right? I mean, marketing and advertising are generally trying to build revenue, build market share, build eyes on the brand, right? Develop a pipeline for the organization. Even not-for-profits have marketing and advertising. How would you distinguish the role that public relations PR plays differently from the marketing and advertising divisions of organizations? Well, what's the main charge, charter?
2: You know, it really is to build mutually beneficial relationships with okay. target audiences, by using third parties who and it's free you know it's it's not paid for like marketing or advertising right you know it's really about building the reputation the image the brand of your solutions your products your services or about an individual and so because it's not paid um, it's really a partnership that yeah, you have with the media. Yeah, it's about
0: relationships, right? Exactly. That's right.
2: Influencing the influencers.
0: So, Deb, what would you—you you mentioned third parties. I'm guessing that's a, that, that third-party base has exponentiated, right? It probably used to be radio, TV, and print newspapers. And you've actually, you know, although you're young, you've been in the seat for 30 years. You started very early in life. You and I are about the same age. What have you seen as the biggest transformation in these, quote, third-party platforms? When you're ready to issue a press release, who do you go to now?
2: You know, it's really interesting that you should say that because some people in the industry say press releases are dead. They they do, but I don't I don't think so much. It's just not to the media. You're now issuing a press release. It's to investors. It's you know customers. It's it's the entire community. And so um, a wire service just doesn't do that anymore. Social media has just exploded, right and everything. Now you, you can release products via social media and video, webcasts, podcasts.
0: And as a PR professional, you're focused on both, I'm guessing, inbound message management as well as outbound message management. You're getting inquiries every day from uh, clients who want information on the company, from media outlets interested in a point of view on something we have expertise on from other interested individuals who may have an ax to grind. You've got inbound media inquiries or non-media. And you also have outbound outreach that you have control over, perhaps, you know, talking about a new product, a new service, a new initiative. And your job is to get the word out as well. It's kind of both inbound and outbound.
2: It's true. And now it's even more difficult because it used to be on the phone. I mean, you used to call people or, you know, then email came along and used to email them. But now, more than anything else, those emails have to be really two paragraphs or shorter. And you have to get to the point with bullets very quickly about what is newsworthy. What are you sharing with that reporter, writer, producer that will make a difference to their audience? Because just because you have a vice president that's a new, you know, someone comes into the company, they're new, there's a new officer, there's a new director, the press doesn't have time for those kinds of announcements. It's not that they, right. they don't care. Right. They want to know what it is that's gonna make a difference and sell newspapers, you know, or increase followers. And so it's gotta be newsworthy.
0: Our guest today is Deborah Lund, Worldwide Director of Public Relations for the Franklin Covey Company, and the recent recipient of one of the nation's top 100 female PR professionals. Deb, I've worked with you for two decades, and like me, I've seen you reinvent yourself You know, every two or three years. You've had to, to stay relevant in the industry, of course, and also to secure your role. And you're in great demand by a lot of organizations around the nation who want to have a seasoned PR professional like yourself. I'm glad you're saying no to all those recruiters, so... You let me know when one interests you, and I'm going to shut them down. Deb, what have you seen as the biggest transformation in the public relations industry? When you used to have something you had to communicate 10 years ago to this week, what do you have to do differently other than condensing it? You know, I I used to see you pick up the phone and call all of your friends across the nation in the newsrooms, and a lot of them are gone, right? Mm -hmm. What's been the biggest transformation that you've had to adapt to?
2: I think I can say it in one word, and it's— You'll appreciate this in one word: Twitter.
0: Yeah, talk about Twitter. Uh,
2: and when I say Twitter, I mean Facebook, LinkedIn, all social all media All social outlets. media, but Twitter specifically in the last year, just because you want to announce something, you can do it on Twitter, and you know everyone knows about it.
0: And and and. Franklin Covey has a multitude of social channels. As a PR professional, you don't tend to use Twitter to get our message out. I mean, we use Twitter more as a marketing tool and such. But when you're actually shaping our brand in terms of PR, are you still kind of working with some of the traditional media outlets or is it generally social media now?
2: No, absolutely. In fact, um, it's still the same relationship. You're just building it through different mediums and it's short, quick in out get their attention keep it tight make them make them want to call you or email you and so you're still pitching traditional media and and i don't see that going away the dot-com changed all of that because like you said you know a lot of reporters some are writing obituaries where they were writing you know workplace columns or whatever so lots of changes with their position and so you know you're still pitching media, and it still has to be newsworthy.
0: Deb, how do you get the attention of people? I'm I'm guessing whether it be radio or television or social or digital, or you name whatever it is, or or, or print magazines or digital magazines, when you're, let's just say the company has a new product, right? Or a new service, and we're ready to announce it. And this goes, I think, for any organization Other than your relationships that I think are invaluable, right? I mean, a lot of Franklin Covey's public relations impact comes from your 30-year relationships as being a trusted partner and advisor, not a spinner. If you're trying to find a new outlet, a new media channel, how do you get someone's attention? What's the best way for any organization? Say, for instance, they don't have a Deborah Lund with this vast network. How does an organization get the attention of these third-party outlets to help to evangelize their message? Number
2: one, what are the trends that, occur, that are occurring in your industry right now? What is um, interesting in the news? And then you research those journalists, those reporters that are in that industry that you wanna, okay. you want to speak with, you want to influence. And you need to know everything about them. Do they want you to email them? Most likely. They don't want you to call. When do they want you to talk to them? And there are...
0: Most are probably freelance now, right? I mean, very few of these have full-time reporters sitting at their desk waiting for their phone to ring. Yeah. So So you're you're saying really is make sure you attach the news about your product or service to something interesting happening, current in the news. Find some angle and actually bring that angle to the reporter. Don't make them try to uncover it or think about it themselves.
2: It's not about you. It's about them. And it's about their audience. And so if you think... If I were reading this, what would be interesting to me about what I'm trying to promote or influence or persuade? And that's really what public relation, public relations professionals do. They persuade people to take an action or to think something about a company or a person. And I think so, it's great. I,
0: it's great feed, great feedback and advice, Deb, because. If I hadn't heard that from you, if I was the CEO or the chief sales officer or CMO of a company, I would be very excited about my product. And I'd be so focused on my own messaging and my own verbiage and my own language because I've written it and I've typed it and I've spoken it. But I think it's a bit of a paradigm shift you're teaching us to say when you're trying to get third-party interest, press, coverage, you want to think about what their angle is. you got to kind of have to do their job for them. You, you do. have to call up the news desk and pitch it in terms that is something that they want to bump ahead of another story because it addresses a problem that their readers or listeners are interested in.
2: True, and I think the other big change that's occurred is it's everything's content driven now. So it used to be they were producing all the content. Now, if you pitch correctly and you have good ideas, um, you know, it's something that they're looking for they're writing about and that's the other thing research still what they're writing about what have they written in the last six months how does your product or service align with that um what's positive that they've written are the things that they don't like that's you know they've been negative on certain stories how does your product or service align with what they've written before and then um
0: and that's hard to do without having a full time PR professional in the firm because you can't possibly keep that up and build those relationships if marketing or some other group is trying to manage it.
2: No, and the other thing is, is everything is so fast and so quick today that you don't have the time that you used to be able to have to do that. So you know, if and, you, and those people
0: probably change. They do, yeah. and so
2: you have to work with a vendor, you know, someone like Cision who has a media database, you know, um, so that you can know who the the media know who they are, and know how to speak to them their way.
0: We're talking today with Deborah Lund, a bit of a celebrity here in Utah, but certainly well-known nationally in the PR profession, ranked one of the top 100 female PR professionals this year by that association. Deb, before we go to break... And after break, I'm going to spend most of our time on sort of the gotcha side, right? The crisis communications and how do you, when you do have bad news, how do you own up to it and how far do you own up and how do you manage the microphones and the spotlight in your lobby? You have a lot of you know, experience about that, not because of Franklin Covey's reputation, but because we've had some high profile people make some big news and we've had some passings of our very famous founders um, or at least one founder. Uh, talk a bit about those who are interested in a career in public relations or their company perhaps is small enough to where they can't afford, you know, a six-figure PR person has um, has the role changed a lot? I know the industry has. What 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 skills does someone need to be a competent PR professional in 2019-2020? What advice would you give people on how to build those skills whether they're doing it full-time or they're doing it as part of their job in their organization?
2: I think you really have to have a strategic mindset. You have to understand the goals and, and the mission and really the business results that your organization wants to achieve. You have to, you have to know business in some form or another and be able to understand what is that end in mind and then how am I going to achieve, help to achieve that mission? How am I going to cause the phones to ring, the you know website visits to increase, etc so you have to be strategic i think you have to be a good communicator and a good writer and um by that i mean writing has even changed i mean it's short quick to the point um you know so you i think you also have to be someone who thinks forward you think about what is coming down the road and this is a nice setup for crisis communications if you plan ahead and you understand you know, where your organization might have, you know, there might be some risks, risk management kind of thing, then you'll be prepared for that. So I think you have to think
0: ahead. Deb, I think there's a lot of similarities in public relations as there are in HR. We hear a lot of people, all the conferences, all the HR events talk about how HR has to get out of their own mind around their own goals and their own training and their own professional development and really think about how are you progressing the business goals of the organization. Every HR professional needs to know how to read a P&L. They need to know what are the top business goals in EBITDA and gross margin and inventory turns and cost of goods. They have to have a strong business background now if the HR professional wants a seat at the table. I think the same is true with PR. You just said that, right? Is that PR can't be in their own PR world. You have to have earned a seat at the table because the C-suite sees you as being fundamentally strategic and necessary to getting their message out. And I think the term shaping perception has a bit of a negative connotation, but there's truth to that, right? It's shaping the perception of the marketplace and the world about what your organization has to offer. Because absent facts, people make stuff up. All of us do. And your job really is to make sure that you're communicating those facts as short and as clear as possible, and I think you've done a great job of that because you you aren't off in PR world, right? I mean, you're constantly reinventing your speaking and writing skills, which I think are probably the two most valuable competencies of anyone, whether you're an engineer, whether you're on the marketing side or the product development side or supply chain or finance, accounting, you got to be able to influence people. And how you influence is being a strong brief, sorry, communicator. I, I think it's a skill that you have... Uh, modeled really well inside the organization.
2: Well, I think the other thing too is its character and how you treat other people, how respectful you are of the press, that you're straight, you don't, um, you're don't, you not deceitful in any way, you care about them. If they're busy, let them go. Don't call them when they're on deadline. Um, give them what you say you will. If you're going to send something, make sure you send it. Keep your word and when you treat the press or your customers, your clients, internal external stakeholders, you know, with respect and you have that character and that integrity, it just comes through. People feel it, they know it. And you're representing your company, you know, not only are you in PR, but every employee in your organization is representing your company.
0: Right. In many so, cases those outlets come back to you for opinions, insights, information on things that they're working on. Where you're not pushing it out, but perhaps they're bringing you into the story. Exactly. Our guest today is Deborah Lund, Franklin Covey's Global Director of Public Relations, a 30-year associate in the firm. When we come back, we're going to shift the conversation a little bit more saucy and talk about kind of the other side of PR where you're trying to manage issues that are, you know, potentially explosive, that they could be big things, gotcha kind of stories, different outlets trying to drag you into their agenda. You've been listening to Great Life, Great Career with Scott Miller. We'll be right back with more from Deborah Lund. This is Great Life, Great Career. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Our guest today is Deborah Lund, Franklin Covey's global PR director and associate in the firm for just shy of 30 years. Actually, is the producer, co-producer of Great Life, Great Career. It was Deborah Lund that literally, I woke up one morning and said, Deb, I think Franklin Covey needs a radio program. And it took Deb about three calls and about 30 minutes, and we literally went live on the air within a week because Deborah Lund, to her point earlier, has spent the better part of three decades building relationships, with television producers, radio producers, all across digital platforms, print newspaper, magazines, and it's that culmination of 30 years of trusted relationships that allows every PR professional to help get the organization's message out. Deb, before we get into today's second half of the program, which I want to get a little bit more salacious on, you know, so let's talk about the underbelly, if you will, of PR, some of the harder things you have to do. You started your career here as the publicist for the famed Dr. Stephen R. Covey, who, of course, everyone knows, passed about seven years ago, was the co-founder of our company, the seminal author of the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, now in its, can you believe, Deb, 30th year of printing, sold 30 million copies. In fact, you and I have been partnering with Annie Oswald in our firm to reissue that book this year. In 2020, in April, that book will come out for its 30th anniversary, and you and I have been collaborating on having Sean Covey, Dr. Covey's son, who, of course, wrote the amazing book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens. Sean is going to add new content, new insights. After every chapter, Sean Covey is going to say, here's how habit one, here's how habit three is still relevant, very practical, how uh, organizations—Deb, you continue to uh, pull miracles— 30 years, 30 million copies. Share with us some of the insights that you took from being joined at the hip with Dr. Covey for, gosh, 25 years. What are some of the things he taught you about how to be a professional, how to be a human being, how to be effective?
2: You know, um, whenever I have issues, oh, and you do. Any, and you do. I do. I work with you. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I have issues or problems in my life life, I go back to that book and examine chapters and you know I do a reset because that book had such powerful content and I think the most amazing thing about Dr. Covey he watched his talk and so um, I remember gosh I had interest from Oprah and I finally got the call they wanted him on and his office called me back and said I'm sorry he can't and I said what I mean, you know, back back then, Oprah, you sold more books on Oprah than, I mean, it was just unbelievable. And he couldn't because his son Josh had a football game and a high school football game and he wouldn't miss that. And that taught me such a valuable lesson in my life because I think we get so caught up in business and, and success and, you know growing our business. And sometimes we forget our personal lives. And Dr. Covey had absolute integrity when it came to his family and his commitments, his personal commitments. And then I think the other thing that he really taught me, um, Stephen was someone who listened and you knew when he was listening to you, he had no interest in anyone else except for you.
0: It's people like Stephen that that make people like me look bad. (laughs)
2: He makes us all look bad.
0: In fact, I think it was Sean Covey, his son, that I I heard once say, you know, your job is your career. Your job is not your life. And I don't know about you, Deb, but it probably took me into my, honestly, my 50s, which I'm 51. So like in the last two years to really realize that I don't want to be defined by my job. And I think a lot of us go through our 30s and 40s and maybe even some of our 50s. I was single for much of that. So naturally it was, but... I don't want to be defined by my job or my title or my income. And I think it's a security blanket for a lot of us. But one of Dr. Covey's legacies is go uncover your passion, go uncover your mission, go discover it. And if you can't find it, then create it. Right. But I think he was so congruent with his message. He was also in many ways, both the face of the company, but not, um, not overly. So what advice would you give CEOs, leaders of companies who are struggling with, you know, having a Twitter channel and having a blog and kind of becoming the face of the company, any advice you would give C-level operatives, C-level executives on how to balance that temptation for with both becoming the public face of their company versus perhaps finding their strengths, at operation and strategic side, any things you've, any lessons you've learned around that?
2: You know, he's the best example of that. Um, You know, he knew that he, his best, his best talents were in, Teaching, writing, speaking, and he had other people do that. And I think that when you're humble enough, when you...
0: You know your strengths. Yeah, that's it.
2: And you know that you're willing also to share just because you have the title. You really are willing to share, you know, that stage with other people. And you bring in their talents and their, you know, contribution and that, that's what makes a team. That's what makes a company work really well. Our own CEO is fabulous at doing this. Deb, I've, really also, I've often heard
0: you say that people don't follow companies, they follow people. Now, of course, you know, we know, we, we follow some brands, Tesla or whatever it is, right? But for the most part, it's true. At least on social media, people follow people. They don't follow companies. They do. I've recognized that, but I think you turned me on to it. Bill Marriott, who, of course, is, you know, I think the son of the founder, if I'm not mistaken, but he's, you know, up in his 70s or 80s now. And as I think at least the chairman of the board still of the Marriott Corporation, by every measure, the largest, most probably influential hospitality company in the world. He has an extraordinarily popular blog both for employees and for followers and guests and members of their Bonvoy club. He's a great example, you've taught me, of someone who doesn't need to be the face of the company, but can still shepherd the brand from a PR perspective by keeping his own brand strong and still continuing to share insights personally and professionally on the industry. Is there a fine line when the, when the person becomes the brand and that's a bad thing because their own behavior now gets associated with the company?
2: Exactly. And I think not only that, but if they leave the company, I mean, if they leave, if, you know.
0: They drink and drive. Yeah. If they get in a domestic dispute or. Or
2: if they get sick and,
0: you know. Pass on. Pass
2: on. Then if everything is based upon that one individual, that person or two or three, what you really want is you want a broad group of people who know the company well, who are experienced at. You know, business in representing the company in speaking in writing in or whatever your company happens happens to do whatever the industry you're in. But you really want a broad group of people who can represent at any time, and then all of them on social media and sharing. And um, you know, I'll, one company that was good at starting that was Microsoft. You know, when the blogs started, when blogging first began, you know they were one of the first companies to have one of the top bloggers. But then you really saw the bloggers expand in that company. Apple was another one.
0: Deb, you've spent a lot of your career media training our executives, right? When we are either launching a new initiative or something is happening in the media and the media needs to attach it to some company. You know, there's been occasions when they've attached it to Franklin Covey, of course. Uh, When you're media training someone... Give our listeners today some advice on the skills that anybody in an organization who might ever be speaking on behalf of a company or to the media about their organization, what are some of the four or five pointers you would give us if we're in a public role where we have to speak to the media on behalf of our organization?
2: Be very prepared. What does that mean? That means uh, do your homework, know the reporter, know the media that you're going to be speaking to. Know their angle. Know their angle. Right.
0: Rehearse the gotcha question. Rehearse
2: it, Uh uh-huh. And know know what you're going to be sharing. Stay on point, stay on message. And then, I mean, this is just typical uh, advice, which is tell them once, tell them twice, and tell them a third time and stay on message. Even if they're trying- Resist the temptation. Exactly. Because if they get you talking, if they get you, you know, and that's that's what the press is so good at is they're going to come from a different angle. And I have watched, I've watched a number of CEOs- on Squawk Box or, you know, where they, they, it was not a good interview because they did not stay on message and they were not able to bring it back to what they wanted to talk about. And then the other thing is pause, pause before you speak, think what was just asked what, you know, so that you're able to kind of think quickly on your feet. And then the other thing is no comment is a comment.
0: You know, Deb, a good example of this is just this week, one of Franklin Covey's members of our board of directors launched a new book. His name is Joel Peterson. He's a professor at Stanford. He's a founding member of our organization on the board. He's the chairman of JetBlue Airways. He wrote a new book called The Ten Laws of Trust. And his publicist, who you know well, Mark Fortier, booked him on Fox & Friends. And just just this week, his interview, when they announced him for the interview to talk about the book, on came on Fox & Friends a whole discussion around how JetBlue is cutting expenses. And as I watched the interview, I thought, what? This is supposed to be an interview about the book. How are Fox and Friends, who I think are fairly friendly, uh, Joel Peterson knows Rupert Murdoch. You would have thought it would have been a friendly interview. It was kind of nice to hear that that channel, although you think sometimes biased, you know, obviously had an angle, not about the book. But they opened the interview talking about all the changes that JetBlue was going through, including reducing some of their services. And before you know it, you saw the chairman of JetBlue, who's a friend of yours and mine, talking about the frequency of vacuuming and cleaning the planes when he was there to discuss the book. But I was really proud of Joel because he both addressed their question, but very graciously and deliberately steered it back to the topic of his book, The Ten Laws of Trust. I mean, even the chairman of JetBlue, a really trusted brand, is not immune to any media's I don't. Want, I don't want to say got you, but I kind of thought, yeah, that's kind of shrewd of them, or maybe not so admirable because that's not why he was there. And I felt like they cooked something up that has some controversy. How often do you vacuum the plane? Seriously, I'm well, guessing people like Joel are also tempted to be off message when they're caught off guard from these sort of gotcha questions.
2: Yeah, and you know what? I'm sure that I'm sure that Mark and Joel both were aware that. Maybe they weren't, but you always need to be aware that if there's anything in the news that's current or there's anything that they- They're going to hook your story to that. They will. To be prepared. But you know what? That's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing if you're prepared because if there's an angle and you can get on a show and then you can bridge, bridge bridge the gap and bring them back to the subject as to why you're there, tie it together and put a nice bow on it, um, don't get flustered, then if you're prepared and you know what you're going to say, you know, have those three bullets down. Know, you know, that, boy, if you're cleaning planes and you're doing all that, you're building trust. You're building trust back with your customer. And so I'm sure he was masterful at that.
0: You're listening to Great Life, Great Career. I'm your host, Scott Miller. Our guest today is Deborah Lund, one of the top 100 PR professionals in the in the nation. I was going to say world, but perhaps you are, Deb, because I think you've got a lot of reps under you. What would you say about the term that, you know, PR professionals are spin doctors and their job is to to position it however possible in the light of the organization? I'm guessing you've been on the receiving end of your fair share of gotcha media inquiries. And how do you calibrate your own sort of ethical compass with perhaps some missteps that either the brand took or someone, you know, accused us of something fairly we've had, you know, I can count on one hand the times when the press has ever come after us, and you've done an adept job at managing it. How how do, As a PR professional, how do you manage being a truth teller and not becoming a spin doctor?
2: You know, I think today there's a lot of spin doctors, many. And I think the most important thing is if you, if there's any deceit at all, if you're trying to manipulate in any way, then uh, people know it. You're trying to polish the truth from what the truth really is. And, you know, you want to sway public opinion one way or the other, but spin is never a positive term. It's manipulative. It's deceitful. And what you really want to do is you want to share the reality of what's occurring and what's happening. Even if it's negative, if it's a crisis, you're honest.
0: When is it take- right to admit an excuse and apologize?
2: Always. Always. Because if you, people, or, or people it- know, people know. If You think they don't know. They know. And so if you...
0: What if it's not their business? What if, what if it's a private matter inside the organization and doesn't affect your clients or your investors or your shareholders or really your employees? Is there a time to say, this is a private matter and we're dealing with it? Thank you for your interest and we'll be no, not commenting any further.
2: Yes, but if it does influence those groups that you just mentioned in any way, your customers, your clients, and unfortunately... Address even, it early. Even if it's a private matter... That which is most private is most public anymore. And so, um, you then, know, then reputations do you do? are ruined overnight because, you know, people don't come out and say, yeah. right out, I made a mistake. The public is so forgiving.
0: I'm amazed. Well, we're seeing it in this college admission scandals, right? I mean, there's yeah. one yep. a- accused celebrity who apparently came out, was very public, admitted her mistake, and now she's being heralded in the press about how to handle a public, you know, uh, trust breach. Yeah. Right? And and she's just been sentenced to two, I think it is maybe 10 days in prison and all over the internet. She's being raised up, heralded as a he- kind of a hero on how to handle it. There's another celebrity who's a well household name that uh, at face value appears to have been in denial and obfuscating, and now she's becoming a bit of a pariah that I've even heard that she's even renegotiating her position on it. I'll bet I could be wrong that she's maybe now wishing—again, we don't know the facts, and she's innocent until proven guilty by a jury of her peers— but I'll bet you there's some regret perhaps on the counsel, maybe her PR or legal team gave her, if indeed she does have some culpability, given what's happened with the other person who she may not even know, and now is being heralded as um, you know, a hero in terms of being a truth teller, taking responsibility and moving on.
2: Exactly. If you admit that you've made a mistake, you take responsibility, you apologize, you lay out a plan for how you're going to change whatever the problem is, whatever has occurred and happened. And then you give them an update and you consistently give them. I mean, that's that's really the three or four things you do in a crisis, regardless of what it is. And so um, the minute that you say, I take responsibility, I'm sorry. This is it's the same thing in personal relationships. You just, diffuses you just have the a conflict huge really relationship quick, yeah. with a huge yeah. entire audience right. out there. You kind of kill the story. Individual. Yeah, you do. Well, it may, you may not kill it, but... Um, It may continue, but eventually the press doesn't have anywhere to go with it because you've shut it down because you've taken responsibility.
0: Right. Deb, you have, on a rare occasion, had to represent the company with the press when there was some social issue or political issue going on. Every company's had this, and you've had to, you know, kind of further clarify that's actually not true. That's not what we train. That's not what we write or teach. What's the best way for any organization to get ahead of a story where an outlet, a media platform is trying to draw you in, or you've got some customer or client who's trying to take you down because they're bored or they feel wronged. Is there any kind of advice you would give people in a minute or less as our time is coming up? What are some good principles on how an organization cannot be demonized but also not fall victim to someone trying to hold you hostage?
2: You know, you really need to have planning scenarios. You need to know what is you know what happens if we do this? What happens if we do that?
0: What's worst case over yeah. here? Worst
2: case scenario, best case scenario. And you
0: role play some of these.
2: Yeah, you role play them. You identify and train your spokespeople so that they understand and know exactly what to say, what not to say. You know, and that—that's the thing—is when you're based in front on the of facts, ca- though, yep. right? I
0: mean, yeah, it's, truth. Well, if your intent, they're truth tellers, yeah, right? If your if your intent is pure. Yep. If your intent and your is technique pure, and your technique is, you know. I don't want to say practice, but your technique is also pure, but you've, you've, you have rehearsed it some, you're going to be home free.
2: You are, you're knowledgeable, you're calm, under pressure. You have to think on your feet, um, measured responses, honest. But I think more than anything else, I think the most important thing is you just, you have to plan in advance and you have to stay
0: calm. Deb, I think I've also heard you say in planning meetings with the CEO that, you know, Every organization's most precious asset, in addition to their people and their culture, is the reputation. It's true. And and organizations rely on PR professionals and also the executives, and for that matter, all their employees, to make sure that nobody compromises the reputation because it can take you years to build it and it can take a couple of tweets to destroy it.
2: That's Warren Buffett. That's what he said. It takes years to build a reputation and just a few seconds, you know, to really destroy it. And I think that's true. I mean, I think— the more that you plan, and if there are operational problems, if you have made mistakes, if you've launched a product and you know something doesn't sync with the app, you know if you come out and you, you know, you have a patch for that, you, you know, whatever the issue happens to be, and this is the same thing in politics. Own
0: up to it. Own tell up the, the to truth. It, fix. Apologize. It. Move on. Yeah. Right. Fix it. Our guest today has been Deborah Lund, one of the top 100 female PR professionals in the U.S. Today's your year, Deb. You've been through a great um, road with uh, Franklin Covey for 30 years. I expect to see you in the seat for the next coming decade. Thank you for joining us on Great Life, Great Career. It's my pleasure, Scott. I've been your host, Scott Miller. We'll be back in just a few moments for a recap.
1: Want to stay current on emerging leadership trends and best practices? Subscribe now to Franklin Covey's free weekly leadership newsletter by visiting FranklinCovey.com and clicking the On Leadership button. With On Leadership, you'll watch, hear, and read engaging interviews and insight from today's world-renowned thought leaders, best-selling authors, and accomplished business leaders. Find the On Leadership podcast on your favorite podcast provider and register for the full newsletter at FranklinCovey.com.
0: Hey, welcome back, everybody. Man, what a great conversation we had today with Deborah Lund, the director of global PR for the Franklin Covey Company, shepherded our brand for 30 years through a lot of social issues, right? And recognizing that our principles are timeless. If you're not a client of Franklin Covey, I encourage you to join our website, franklincovey.com. Just an amazing treasure chest of great resources there. Webcasts, podcasts, webinars, white papers, downloadable videos, you name it. I also host a weekly Newsletter. It is now the world's largest subscribed leadership newsletter. Comes out every week on Tuesdays via email. Complimentary, where I interview guests both inside the company and thought leaders from all across the world called On Leadership with Scott Miller. Click on that tab. Register, subscribe yourself, your friends, your family, all your colleagues. Some amazing guests coming up on Franklin Covey's weekly newsletter on leadership. Comes out every Tuesday morning via email at about six o'clock Mountain Time. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Thank you for listening. To great life, great career. I am your host Scott Miller. Sponsored by Franklin Covey. Follow host Scott Miller for more insight on Twitter at Scott Miller FC on LinkedIn at LinkedIn.com/slash Scott Miller FC on Facebook at Scott Miller FC. You've been listening to Great Life, Great Career, brought to you by Franklin Covey.